Welcome to Bump Set Chat, the podcast where volleyball professionals come on and share their stories, experiences, and advice. And today, Amy Polly, Vice President of Volleyball Operations and Head Coach of the Orlando Valkyries. Welcome to Bump Set Chat, a podcast for volleyball professionals, college players, and coaches to come on and share their experiences and advice. And today, I have Amy Polly, the Orlando Valkyries Head Coach and VP of Oper- Volleyball Operations. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, so the way we get things started, we do three random questions. So are you ready? Oh, gosh. I did not know this. But Barry, let me first say, you have a wonderful podcast voice. I oh, wanted thank to let you. So, okay. I'm that. ready for your questions. All right. Here we go. Uh, favorite home-cooked meal? Home-cooked? Home-cooked meal. You're going home to Chicago. Your mom's got something in the stove. What's, what, you know, what is it going to be? A pizza. All right. It's not home cooked, but from Falco's <laughs> right down the street. That's what I want. There we go. All right. So last TV show or movie you watched? Oh, man, that's a good one because I've been really busy this Christmas break. The last TV show, um, you know, I'm, I'm more into movies right now. My all husband right. and I will like pick a series of movies. And we, I actually just watched all the Harry Potter movies for the first time. No way. So, yeah, for the first time ever. I've seen like one and a half before that. Yeah. Um, I just finished all the Harry Potters right before Christmas break. Wow. Now, did you read the books beforehand or you just jumped into the movies and that was it? No, I read um, I read like two when I was younger, I think, but never really got into it. Yeah. And now we just uh, also play the Xbox and yeah. Hogwarts Legacy. Yes. And so... Before I started playing it, I was like, we should watch the movies. So. Ah, very cool. All right. And the final question, you're going on a road trip. Are you read? What book are you reading or listening to? Or are you throwing on a playlist? What's, you know, or what, and what is that playlist? This past year, I told myself I was going to read a lot more books. I typically only read like crime thriller. And yeah. I told myself I needed to, um, do more expand more from that yeah um so i've just been kind of following book lists online so a lot of them they range anywhere from like rom-coms to thrillers to uh you know historical fiction which i really liked but the most recent one i'm reading right now is a book called counterfeit and it's about a woman that makes fake bags and then resells them (laughs) okay and they made a book about that Yeah, it's not a very deep reading or anything like that, but right. I am uh, doing it and it's a nice little getaway from everything else. There we go. All right. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. And, uh, you know, first of all, you know, how are you enjoying the East, enjoying the East Coast? Because you're, you, know, you lived on the West Coast when you're coaching for USC and from Chicago originally or Illinois, right? Yeah, from right outside of Chicago, born and raised until I went to school at Alabama. But I spent six years at Villanova, so that was East Coast for me. And my husband uh, was living in D.C. at the time, boyfriend then, now husband. And so we're kind of relocated back in D.C. for half the year and in Orlando for half the year. So it's to me, I I love it. I love um, I get a little bit of everything. So as soon as it was getting super cold in Washington, I was like, oh, it's time for me to go to Orlando. And I got down here and it's nice and warm. And the city's been super welcoming. I mean, I haven't had too much time to really get out 
and yeah. explore, but it's been good so far. Great food. I'm like really surprised by the food. I really like it. Uh, just different variety, yeah. but so far so good. Excellent. Let's go to the beginning. When did you first discover volleyball? Oh, I would say uh, when I was in sixth grade. So I grew up big basketball, softball player. Uh, Chicago is big for volleyball anyway, though. So I, yeah. I think I had a couple friends that were playing that were on my basketball team. Um, and then a little bit more background. I went to a private school that had about five. I think by the time I was in sixth grade, it had five people in my oh, class. Wow. Yeah. So and then my parents were like, oh, let's put you in the public school. And they had volleyball also. So I just kind of wanted to get into it then. And yeah, I started at a club called Lions Juniors, which still exists today. Wow. So runs that club and it's kind of transformed into First Alliance, which people know a little bit more on the national scene. And so that's my my Chicago volleyball background. All right. Very cool. And what was the hook volleyball had on you that it took over? You know, I, I, I read that you're, you're, you're a big badminton player and a hoops player. Uh, that's yes. I dabbled in every sport. I think I was just a, a sports girly when I was little and I really, really loved basketball. I kind of thought that was going to be my trajectory into sports in college, but something about volleyball, um, by the time I got to high school, I would say, I just, I loved my team. It was really fast paced. I don't know if in basketball, I was a point guard, obviously I'm five, three, so I could <laughs> jump into positions very quickly. Yeah. Um, I think there was just a little bit more like oomph and celebration. And I, I don't know, you could kind of, uh, have a little bit more fun in it. I think like long-term, you know, basketball is a really up and down sport. Sometimes it goes a minute or so before somebody score scores a point. And so yeah. for volleyball, it was like this kind of first, like boom, boom, fast paced thing that, that I was doing. And I, I loved it. Excellent. Yeah. You know, it's every point you're celebrating, you're getting together. All right, let's go. Let, you know, and then just playing off of that next point. And then also you add in the bench, the bench is far more exciting than, you know, watching, a, you know, than what you get on a hoops uh, team. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I don't think a lot of people know this. Um, I was a setter until I was in high school and then again, got moved over to the libero DS role because as our team got better, we obviously wanted to be more competitive. Yeah. Uh, we ran a six, two for a little bit, but it, it really, I was only fast. I wasn't necessarily a great setter. So when I got moved to libero, I actually was a DS. I didn't earn a full-time libero position until my senior year of high school, oh, wow. which I think really surprises a lot of people. I don't really talk about it very yeah. often, but um, so I kind of had to be that right back sub and be ready to go and kind of worked my way into the lineup that way. But I don't know. You're right. I think there's this like special connection between a volleyball bench and the rest of the people on the court. It's, it's a really good, it's just a team sport. Like yeah. the best way I can describe it is everybody's got to be ready to go at all times and everybody's got to be solid because yeah. it's three people contacting the ball and, and every single rally. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to take a little turn here because you talked about badminton and you're like, Oh my God, how did you know that? And it is an amazing, so where I'm from up in Eastern Canada, badminton, we played badminton in middle school and high school. We had a high school team and it is a phenomenal sport. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I laughed because, um, my high school badminton team is actually getting inducted into our high school hall of fame in February. 
Um, we just, we won a state championship yep. and so we're, we're getting inducted, but I, I loved it. It was so fun. I, it's the first individual team sport I yep. played. And so to me, I was like, Oh, all the glory to my own. <laughs> and I highly recommend everyone play an in, like an individual sport or mm -hmm. a beach volleyball, you know, something where you have to be out there on your own on an yeah. island and figure it out without somebody else telling you what to do or pick up the slack. I think it really helps mental toughness and just, you know, figuring out how to win. It's, yeah. it's, I loved it. Yeah. That, you know, that's a really great point. Uh, you know, I saw the documentary on Netflix about Marty fish and his, uh, you know, basically talking about, you know, playing those sports like golf or tennis where it's you, you can't have a bad game. If you have a bad game, it's, you know, it's not like we're volleyball or other team sports where you could have a bad game, but the rest of the team can pick you up. And it's just, you you know, that's a really great point about, you know, everyone should try an individual sport. Yeah, it teach it just teaches you things, you know, just like all sports. But I think it just is something that can help you add another tool to yeah. your toolbox. And why not go do something that you get a little bit of glory for yourself? It's yeah. a it's a good opportunity. Absolutely. And now, you know, you played high school volleyball and club. How important was the club ball to your development? Oh, I think huge. Um Back then, I'm not that old, but it was a while ago. Um, I think high school was still a very prideful thing. You know, I don't know how much it is today. I think certain areas take way more pride in their high school sports, and that's fine. Yeah. But ours was a lot. Like the rivalries were huge. The crowds were great. Um, so that was that was big. But club is what allowed me to excel at a higher level mm -hmm. and I think have uh coaches that had had college in mind for you um Sue Keck like I said what had been the she started the club and she's still the club director and if you look at the list of athletes that have come out of there it's because of Sue and the staff that she has always put together yeah. and we were doing positional practices even way back then. And, and so I think she's always been pretty innovative in the sport and been somebody who is going to help the athletes be prepared and help them kind of reach their goals. Yeah. And then after high school, you went to Alabama. What was that? Uh, you know, what made you pick Alabama first? Uh, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I went on one visit. No one take my recruiting advice. <laughs> so I I was just one of those people that um, went on their visit and fell in love. Yeah. And uh, a fun little story is how I got recruited. Um, again, I was a DS. And so I, at the time, was really battling. This was junior year. So, you know, back then, again, it was your, you kind of started your recruiting process in the spring of your junior year. If you started in the fall, you were probably like pretty elite and getting looks. You know, I had a couple big 10 players on my team and I think they were committed by, by the start of the club season, but myself specifically, I was a DS. And so I was trying to navigate, all right, do I, do I go this route of volleyball or do I go basketball where I've been going to camps in the Chicagoland area and the in Big Ten country since I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Which one do I do? And my sophomore year, I, I bet my dad that I would get a volleyball scholarship. And he was like, whatever. Um, I said, okay, fine, like buy me a car if I get one. So I, I posted a, a picture of a car on my refrigerator. So we're playing at a tournament. I don't remember what tournament it was, but we used to have a huge rivalry with, with Kiva. 
and we were losing 19 to four. This was like to move on to gold and qualify. And before AUs was, well, AUs existed, but like yeah. JOs was the, the tournament. And um, it was a timeout and I just ripped my team. Like <laughs> get your heads out of your A's, yeah. you know? Like whatever, like we we are better than this. We don't lose to Kiva, you know, all of this <laughs> stuff. And we came back and we won that set. And we went and we had, we went on to qualify. And we had a pretty solid team that year. Um, and so I get a, a <laughs> I think I get mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a few days later and maybe a, a phone call from my club coach that was like, hey, Alabama's really interested in you. And I was like, where's that? Like, I have no idea. But my dad pointed out to me, like, you don't know much about Alabama, but I know a lot about Alabama. And I think it fits what you're looking for in a school. So you should go down there and check it out. And when I went down there, my coach, Judy Green, told me, you're being recruited because of that speech you gave your team. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so she was like, we just need more of that in our gym. And we need people that are little fiery Midwesterners and know how to pull <laughs> and figure it out. And so that was when I told my dad, he then owed me a car. So uh, there you I, go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> excellent. And you speaking of Midwesterners, I had, um, Carly Berkland, who is a libero for UConn. She's a senior. She's from Iowa and you know, you're just fiery getting the team going. It's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. That's I, a common thing. I just think there's, um, Every region of the country has their way of playing. It just is what it is. And if someone wants to argue me with it, I will argue it. And I think the Midwest has tried and true blue collar get after it. Yeah. And so you're always going to get that from players that come from that area. And then how was your college, college experience at Alabama? Any memorable moments you want to share? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, ups and downs. I think just like any any college athlete has in whatever sport you have, you're mm -hmm. going to have your great moments and your, um, your, your struggles, which is what makes college athletes, what they are. A couple ones that really stick out to me is we hosted the very last sec tournament to get that automatic bid for the NCAAs. And we upset Tennessee in the semifinals who then went on to go to the final four and then we played Florida in the championship. And that was the last time that the SEC has had a conference championship. Um, so that was really fun. We lost to Florida. Yeah. We were really, really good. Um, but overall, I mean, my team, we went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. We went three years in a row. Wow. I had phenomenal teammates. Uh, looking back, there's definitely things I wish I would have done differently. And there's things I'm so glad and proud of myself for doing. But yeah. it's... Um, yeah, I loved it. I went back to a football game this October for the first time in years, like a really, really long time. And I just, you're so proud to be a graduate from there. And yeah. I went to a volleyball game and to see Rashinda like coaching the team and, and being there and all those girls playing, they play in a different gym than I used to, but it was uh, a very nice cir full circle moment to yeah. kind of take them on. And I, I haven't been back to a volleyball game since uh -huh. I played. So, yeah. Cool. What advice do you have for kids that, you know, will be going to college next year playing volleyball, something that you know now that you wish you knew back then? It gets better. 
It really does. And I've, I've told this story a lot lately and I wish, or I hope people listen and they take it for a truth because the transfer portal is a, a blessing and a curse. I'm a big fan of the transfer portal, but I think we're, I think we're overusing it a little yeah. bit. And what I've been kind of telling people is my freshman year, I, I was a DS. I wasn't the libero. Of course, I thought I deserved to be the libero. Like who doesn't, you know, and I was going through some pretty tough things off the court and I called my parents and I was like, a coach told me that I could transfer to their school. But so I called my dad and I was like, another coach told me that I could transfer to their school. And obviously the coach didn't tell me, a club coach told me. And so even this stuff was going on back then. And my dad said, too bad. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, no, you made a commitment there. And I said, but it's really hard. And he said, and you're really tough and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And, you know, I look back at it and I go, I never would have. I never probably would have been a record holder at some other schools. I never would have been able to go through the things that I went through with my team going to the tournaments if I went to other schools. Like I had some pretty historic moments for Alabama volleyball. And if it weren't for my dad, just kind of, and my mom, like really putting their foot down and being like, you got to stick it through. You can do it, get through it. And I wish that we were giving that message to our, to our student athletes a little bit more. It's like, give it a shot, you know, like the highs and lows are going to come. And if, if the lows get down there, then let's really, really talk about it. Yeah. But let's try to get through, overcome what's in front of you. Look at the next step and let's see how it plays out. Because I, I think it sports is all about growing and learning and becoming a better person. Yeah. And I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for going through some of the, the struggles that I went through at Alabama and coming out through it. Yeah. Very great point. It's like, you know, just because it's getting hard doesn't mean you give up, you know, you, it makes you better. Yeah. And I, you know, I get it. Like there are instances where it's time to get out. It's, it's time to leave. Um, but I don't think all of those times, those instances should be based on playing time. Yeah. Uh, I don't always think we should jump to the coaches being mean to me right away. Obviously I'm a coach, so I, I have the coaches back a lot of times, but I think, um, communication has gotten lost a lot. Transparency has gotten lost and we need us as coaches need to do a better job of that so that the players aren't, you know, guessing what is going on, yeah. but then there has to be some accountability from these student athletes too. Just like I can do it. I can get through this and I, I hope it gets better and it will get better. Yeah. After Alabama, uh, how did you get involved in coaching and had you coached before? I, I would say um, the coaching bug bit me and then I tried to put a lot of ointment on it and make it go away. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, I, I coached a bunch of camps. So one of our coaches actually started a club in Tuscaloosa also. So I did that my last two years and I've enjoyed it. I've always, my dad was a coach. Um, he was my basketball and my softball coach and he coached my brother too. So I've kind of been around it for a while and my senior year when I graduated, I just kind of didn't know what I was going to do next. I mean, I'm, I'm very honest. I was an athlete student. I wasn't a student athlete. Yeah. I could have way more focused on that, but again, things happen for a reason. Absolutely. I, uh, I decided to stay in Tuscaloosa because I was like, you know what? I am going to like, enjoy what life is like as a normal person here. And, and so I started bartending at 
galettes, which if you, if there's any Alabama fans listening, you know what galettes is. And I probably saw you there at some point. <laughs> um, and I also started coaching at a really small Christian school in Tuscaloosa. And so I just kind of did that because I was trying to make some money and they offered me a position. So I coached volleyball and basketball there for a year. And then I went on to be a grad assistant at South Carolina. And that's kind of when the coaching thing really set in. And I was like, you know what, God's kind of calling me to do this. I think I have a lot of things to offer to young women and I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. Excellent. And then, so from South Carolina, you went to Villanova, UAB, and then landing at USC before, you know, jumping to the pros and we'll get to the pros in a little bit. Over those years, what were some of the hardest things about coaching? Probably just navigating the different schools and then in the different student athletes that I encountered. I really appreciated my time at Villanova because it's what taught me that you can be a high achieving student and you can be a high achieving athlete. You don't have to pick one or the other. And I had some really, really phenomenal student athletes at Villanova. And again, it was kind of one of those teams where we went to the tournament for the first time in 20 years. They were leaving with these incredible jobs and doing internships in the summer. And I, I got to learn that, okay, you can be demanding of them in volleyball, but also be supportive of them of what they want to do academically. And when I was younger, I think I just learned how to manage having relationships with them, but not pushing the boundaries yeah. too much. I am a pretty relational person. I want to be close with my student athletes, but you got to learn not to be too nosy. And I, I had a student athlete tell me that she was like, you're asking me questions that are none of your business. And I was like, Fair enough. I get it. Totally. Um, so I just, I really got to learn at Villanova, which helped me develop into a head coach. And yeah. UAB was again, phenomenal. Um, I learned a lot at UAB about management skills. We went through a lot as a team, uh, injuries, um, some other things that I can't really talk about, yeah. but that was really, really hard on me as a coach and just kind of learning how to manage my emotions through all of that is again, just a, it was another tool in my toolbox. And I went, the next time I'm a head coach, I know how to handle this situation better than the, than this time I did yeah. or manage myself better as well. We're going through a lot of that. Nice. Being a coach in volleyball at the collegiate level is not an easy thing, whether it's the assistant coaches or what you're on one year contract, you're locked in for a year. You don't know if you're going to be back next year. If you have a family, it's not an easy thing to, to succeed. I, I don't know. I've been really lucky where even on the one year contracts, I've never felt like I was, you know, going to get booted out at any point in time. I've had amazing bosses going back down to being a GA all the way through Brad Keller, my last head coach, um, and Josh Steinbach at Villanova. I mean, they really took a shot on somebody that didn't necessarily fit the mold of what other people thought their assistants should look like. And I'll always be thankful to them because if, like I said, if it weren't for those opportunities, I wouldn't be here today and yeah. coaching this team and and so I'm just really grateful that they gave me the leash to learn and make mistakes. Yeah. In your opinion, more than 10 years you've been coaching, have you seen any significant changes in sort of coaching approaches? I think people always go, ah, oh, this generation, you know, but I know people were saying that about me because I was a pill. Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't know if it's necessarily a change in 
your coaching approach. I think it's more uh, changing and learning about volleyball today. You know, the offensive systems are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. How maybe scout has gotten a lot of different, how we provide information to players as they have become more technology savvy. We've mm -hmm. all had to become more tech savvy, but coaching to me is not rocket science. It's about being a good human and helping them, you know, get better at the sport. Yeah. And and so to me, that's kind of always been my tried and true and I'm going to stick to it. Nice. I think, you know, what I, you know, from what I hear is some people are saying that the old school yelling coaching is not, you know, that's gone. Now it's a communication thing. And you were, you were already talking about that with it's the relationships and whatnot with your players. Yeah. I, it's a balance. I, and I, again, I wish that everybody maybe would yell a little bit more. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, again, I think there's some accountability and ownership that the student athletes have to take. It's, I can't tell you how many times a player has been like, hold me accountable. And then when you hold them accountable there, they go, you're too mean to me. And again, it's, it is about finding the balance because yeah. you have to learn how to communicate with that person. But I think, um, players and assistant coaches and bosses, whoever that chain of communication is going is people have to be open to feedback and they have to be receptive when somebody is telling you, we got to change. We have to do something a little bit differently. And I've been, for the most part, I've been really lucky with great student athletes who want to be pushed and want to be challenged. But I, I think a little bit of discipline in the gym is important and yeah. you got to kind of keep that up. And I, I hope we don't lose that. I don't mean running lines and things like that, right. but Hey, five burpees, if you miss your serve or losers have 10 pushups, like I don't think there's anything wrong with a little bit of that. Nope. Nope. Not at all. I've had a lot of fun, um, being a, in this situation because it's the most competitive group I've ever seen. And everybody always told me, well, they're playing for money, right? <laughs> so you don't have to ask them to be competitive, but we still do have that. If you serve it in the net, go do your burpees. Yeah. We, we changed it to, if you serve it in the net, you owe us a dollar. There you go. We, have, we had a couple too many net serves the other day, but <laughs> there's still, there's still that same, you know, quick accountability, get right back into the drill and keep going. Yeah. What are some of the things that you're going to take with you from the Villanova and USC days that, that are going to help you be a better coach? Yeah, I think USC prepared me a lot in terms of dealing with a elite athlete, an elite athlete. And um, I just got to see a couple coaches there who have done it at the highest level. Um, my, uh, my other assistant was JJ Van Neal at the time. He did a ton of work with USA volleyball before getting into being the assistant at Utah and USC and picking his brain about stats and scouting all of that at USC helped me elevate my volleyball IQ. Everything from Villanova and UAB was all about who I am as a coach, figuring out what's important to me and learning how to just have solid conversations with the athletes. And my goal here is to be, has been to combine both of those things. I want to still very much be who I am. And I smile a lot in the gym. I have a great time. 
but I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the X's and O's. And, and so it's been fun to combine those things as a head coach this time. Excellent. I've heard from a few different coaches that played pro came back and got into the coaching thing. It's really different in college. Like the locker room from your college team is so much different than the pros because like you just said, it's for money. People are paying for playing for money. Their stats need to, you know, they're watching their stats while, you know, as a pro. Have you talked to any pro, other pro coaches in other sports to sort of, you know, get an idea of what it may be like coaching in the pros versus coaching in college? Yeah, I have. I have a, a couple friends that are, whether it's in an administrative like front office situation or actually coaching in a couple other leagues, I've been able to pick their brain. And it's it's funny because everybody always says, you guys are new. You don't, you don't know anything yet. You know, you don't know what your league holds. And so the biggest thing for me was to establish trust with my team and my peers and to make sure everybody is on the exact same page about what our expectations are for the season. And we, we talk about winning, we talk about being competitive, but we also talk about being great representation for Orlando in this league. And so are we, wonderful in the community are we playing hard every game we'll we'll never walk back in the locker room and go i didn't give it my all for orlando we're yeah. going to do that every time and so it's um i think there are some things that can translate maybe from some other leagues just about uh practice management lift management yeah how kind of what what a professional athlete needs but in terms of team culture and locker room it's so everybody's so excited to be here. Yeah. It's not hard to um get them ready to go. Like yeah. they're ready all the time. So that's been a blessing. Nice. <laughs> and now you, you just hit a key word there, culture. You you have a fresh, clean canvas where you're developing a culture that's you're growing it from the start. How is it, you know, what kind of experience is that? Yeah, it, it really similar to what I was just saying. So all spring, I have an I have an awesome assistant coaching staff here. So I have three assistants, Gordon Mayforth, Molly Stark, and Blake Omardian. And they all come from different backgrounds. But Gordon was my first hire. And he has spent the last nine years in Japan working on the men's side. And he has a ton of pro experience. And Gordon, like I said, love him. He's like, you need to come up with your culture. You need to come up with your culture. And I'm just like, Again, I don't know what to tell them because we don't know what we're doing. And I'm very honest about saying that. I said that to him too. But as the fall went on, and again, we we got to meet with our team a little bit more. We got to kind of pick their brain about what their expectations and what they want for, for the PVF and this real pro league that's going. We came up with two words, or I came up with two words, and I said, this is all we're going to worry about the whole year. I don't want anything. We actually added one today. But- um, it's, it's passion, gratitude and dog. <laughs> um, and so we just kind of said in this experience that we're all going through, have gratitude, take a deep breath. Remember that you're making history, mm-hmm. uh, everything you do, do it with passion, whether that's rehab, going to a community outreach or practicing every day, be super proud and passionate about what you're doing. And um, then today we added the word dog because we got that dog in us. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah. Ah. So so we didn't, I basically I say that to say, I didn't want to overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's new. We're figuring it out. We're setting the tone for what the Orlando Valkyries 
is mm-hmm. and what it will be in the future. And so let's keep it simple and really hang true to those few things. And I think we'll find success. Nice. With the, the PVF kicking off really soon, how many teams are in the league and how long is the season? Yeah, we have seven teams in the league this year. Uh, we will most likely be at 12, maybe 15 next year. Oh, I know wow. we've already had- yeah, we already have three announced, Dallas, Kansas City, and Indy for next year, and there's more to come, so that's Excellent. really exciting. For this year, it's us seven, so we have 24 matches, 12 home and 12 away. Nice. The league is founded on the principle that the players are the product, players are earning a living wage, and, and there's revenue sharing out of the gate. That seems like a fantastic model. That's you know helping everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think um, the players, I think it's pretty common knowledge. So the minimum salary is 60000 for a five, basically a five and a half month season. Um, and that ranges overseas, but they felt that this was very competitive. And I think if you ask a lot of the players, it is. Plus they get housing. We have shared cars. They get stipends on the road. So there's a lot of things that are really helping the players be able to do this full time. Yeah. Um, go over in some of the, the leagues overseas and those domestic players are working a job and playing volleyball yeah. and, and didn't want that to happen here. And so I think it's really competitive in terms of across the board leagues. I think the talent is great. And I think it's only going to keep attracting people to want to come play in the league. Absolutely. And it just seems that it's the right time for this to happen after, you know, on the heels of a fantastic championship that we just had and the numbers are up. It's just the sport is gaining momentum and it's, it's the perfect time. Yeah. I think we saw records broke every week this year, whether it was attendance or viewership or the final four. So I, I agree with you. It's, it's the right time. So yeah. I'm excited. Excellent. So how did you end up getting involved? You know, what made you decide, you know, I'm going to go out East and coach professional volleyball. Um, I got really lucky. I got a phone call from Cecile Renaud asking me if I would be interested. And I had a recommendation from Kathy George to Cecile. Kathy is the Grand Rapids coach and longtime Michigan state head coach. And um, I had spoken with Kathy and gotten to know her a little bit more in the year prior when she was considering her retirement. You know, she had started talking to me about possibly interest in her assistant coaching position. So that's that's how we got to know each other. And when they were looking for coaches, she dropped my name to Cecile and then Cecile called me and it happened in, a, in about a week. It happened really, really fast, but it kind of worked out perfect for me. Yeah. And now how did the team get built? Was Orlando on their own to find their own players or were there's like a whole pool to pick from? Jen Spiker did a ton of legwork leading up into the announcements of all of these teams. So she has a player committee and I'm probably going to mess up who is on it, but I know Morgan Hentz, uh, Jenna Rosenthal, I believe maybe Tori Dilfer and Ronica Stone, that might've been her like first player group, they essentially went out and spread the word and they would gather people and they would say, Hey, Jen Spiker's having a zoom call at 7 PM on Thursday night, everybody hop on. So you can learn about the league. So when I got the job or was interviewing for the job, my first question was like, who is going to be on my team? Like, I don't, I feel so behind from Omaha and Columbus and all of them. And Jen was like, you'll be fine. 
I said, okay, all right. I mean, I know some people, but I, I don't really know. And once I finally, you know, submitted all my paperwork, she sent me a list of about 175 players that were interested in playing in the league. And so I used that as my starting point. Yeah. And then I kind of, you know, from my former players and, and spreading the word, made some phone calls and I recruited my whole team. I handpicked each one of them to be here with me and go through this. And so that is, that's how I put my team together, but I I don't think it would have been easy without a starting list from Jen. It, yeah. it was really cool what she did. Excellent. And now, you know, you want to give us an overview of, of some of the players? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, being in Florida, I have a couple of Gators. So I have um, Ari Cruz, who is our Tom Brady of our team. Um, but she's, she's still got it. She's out there. She's going, but I'm um, really excited to have her. She strong Puerto Rican presence to start. So I think she's a big, big fan or has a ton of fans in Florida and she's a phenomenal mentor. So, you know, the conversation I'll share with you, I had with her the other day, I was like, you've been a pro a lot longer than me and I've been a coach a lot longer than you. So the two of those things combined, I think are going to be really good for our rookies and implementing new systems. And she's been wonderful to work with. And then another Florida Gator is Shina Joseph. So she was an opposite middle for them. She plays opposite for the Canadian national team. Oh, wow. Another just huge personality and big arm to have in the gym. So she's been fun. Um, let's see another person that I probably will really lean on is Adora and I, she played for Utah. She's from Hawaii. She's had a bunch of overseas experience, been able to play in South Korea, Greece, Puerto Rico. She's kind of been in, in a lot of stops. And yeah. so she's very seasoned and those three are, are a great, a great core to just kind of be like, all right, you guys have been through this. What are we doing? Great. What do we need to change? And keep giving me your feedback. And yeah. so far, so good. I really liked working with them, but I have awesome young players too. Uh, you know, we drafted five, all five of our draftees showed up to training camp. So they're all fighting for a spot, whether yeah. it's on our roster or our practice squad. Um, Jill Gillen, big name in college volleyball this year, we have her here and she's everything that you see in her highlight videos. So big jumper, big arm, big personality. Like she just wants to be great. And so it, it's been awesome to work with her and Georgia Murphy is uh, who was libero for Oregon. So I think a lot of people saw her. They've had two elite eight runs back to back. George has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like not behind at all. The speed of the game is great for her. She, she's putting up great numbers. And so those are kind of two of the rookies that super, super stand out to me, but I mean, I'm happy to have all of them. Excellent. And now you just talked about the, you know, the college draft. So are they, they're still in school, but they're playing because their college career is over. Now they can commit to a, a paid position essentially. Yeah. I know Jill is still finishing up her master's. So she is doing online classes. She worked it out with the Arkansas professors that she would be able to finish and wrap up. And I don't think a lot of people know this. The NCAA has some waivers that have been in place for a long time for football and basketball. Oh, okay. Uh, probably baseball would be my guess. So if you're on scholarship and this is for the, the wealthy ones of the schools, <laughs> right? Not, not every school can fulfill this, but if you're on scholarship and you leave early to go professional, the school can still pay for your degree. Oh, cool. 
super awesome. Not, not a lot of people know about that in volleyball because we just, we haven't seen that very much, but now I think it's going to be, you know, these people that are graduating in the spring, but want to enter the draft, they're going to be able to hopefully utilize that waiver from their institutions and be able to finish up their degrees. Excellent. Something that's really important in, in all sports and life is leadership, you know? So now here you are with a brand new group of people. And I think you probably, you know, mentioned some of the ones that are already natural leaders for the team, you know, uh, how are you guys going to develop and, and pick your captains and everything like that? I don't, I don't think we'll have captains this year. Um, I don't know if I'll ever have captains actually, I guess I haven't thought that far ahead yeah. because we don't need it right now. I think everybody kind of leans on Ari. Um, again, we have just some, some seasoned vets that are there and the communication from the team is great. I think on the the second day at the end of practice, I, I was like, Hey, does anybody got anything? And Kaz Brown, who is a Kentucky graduate, she again has, has been a lot of places playing. She was like, I got to shout out the rookies. We're throwing so much information at you and you guys are just taking it like champs and you're fitting right in. And so for her to be able to have the modesty and be humble enough mm-hmm. to go, you guys are doing awesome. I think it's just another example of the leadership, but also, like I said, the gratitude for yeah. everybody to be here right now and the opportunity that it is. And so I, I'm not worried about captains. Um, I can speak a little bit to it being odd that my youngest player is 22 and my oldest player is 42. <laughs> so that's, that's a little different. I've never had to deal with that in college. Yeah. Um, but you just, you just go with the flow, you know, you figure out what is the 42 year old need and what is yep. the 22 year old need? And it's different. I'll tell you, even in the first week, it's way different. Like there's, there's more reps for the young people. There's way more teaching that still has to happen for the people that are closer to college where the older the older um, players, they just kind of get it already. They yeah. know what they have to do when they get into the gym. They know what their warm-up has to be. They know how to get ready for sixes, like whatever it is. And you're not pulling teeth to try to get everybody on the same page. They just, they just know. Nice. And, and then the key word you, you mentioned earlier was gratitude. You know, the fact that you, you have players that are here, they don't have to go overseas to play. They can play in America. They don't have to leave home essentially. I think it's huge. I, I mean, they're already talking about it. They're saying how wonderful the gyms are <laughs> and the apartments that they're living in. And it's a, uh, I made a joke earlier about how people are like, oh, this generation, you know, but um, I've already heard it from our veterans. They're like, these kids are never going to know the grind of going <laughs> overseas. And I was like, just remind them, you know, yeah. use your and share with them what the good and the bad of going over there was. And when they complain about not being able to ice bath enough, just be like, at least you're not standing in a garbage can for your ice bath. You're in an actual cold tub. You know, that's just one example. But I, I, I think they get it because it's new and making history and they're seeing the Instagram followers go up every day and they're seeing the publicity that it's getting. And they're, they're putting enough pressure on themselves that I don't need to put any more on them. I'm here to be their biggest fan, their biggest cheerleader, 
help them be ready to go when the game lights turn on and we're ready to be competitive. Yeah. Micah Christensen was on the pod a while ago and we did our Zoom call while he was in Serbia or no, Siberia, sorry, Siberia. And I was like, yeah, U.S. isn't that bad, I think. Yeah, I right now I'm trying to think of um, I have a player here that was in Finland last year and she was like, oh, my gosh, it was just so cold. <laughs> yeah. Romania, um, Romania was tough, but they they take it in stride yep. and it was the only opportunity that was available to them. Right. And these women love volleyball. And they love competing and they would do whatever it takes to continue to be able to do that in their career. And as I, I kind of, you know, I call my coaching friends like pretty often still <laughs> in, in college. And I'm like, man, it's so different to see what a real champion is. You know, Kids talk about it in school, but here, like everybody's walking the walk and you can see why some people make it mm-hmm. and some don't. And for anybody that's listening, you have to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk and say, I want to be great. These women are every day, they're taking care of their bodies. Every day, they're doing some sort of recovery. Every day, they're getting extra reps. We've had three off days and there have been people in the gym doing, asking us for extra reps. And I just it's like, wow, it, in college, that's hard because right. you're limited with hours. Mm-hmm. There's no limit to the hour. I mean, we have to take an off day, but I mean, it's very clear why they are here and yeah. how they got here because of the sacrifices and just desire to be great at something. Like you can tell nothing is going to stand in their way and it's through actions. Yep. It's not through Excellent. What was that first practice like? You're in the gym and here they all come in. What you know, what was that experience? Oh, I feel like I blacked out. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we got to do a little bit in December. So I think we were we were fairly ready for practice. We had an idea of what was coming into our gym. We we knew our roster pretty well, except for getting the rookies involved. And I just kind of talked to them about like play hard. That's it. You know, like, don't worry about making the active roster. Don't worry about stats. The first few days are going to be ugly. Like we haven't played volleyball in a month. We're learning new systems. So just show me what kind of competitor you are and remember passion and gratitude. So pick one of those two things. And so in the mornings, when we do individuals, our breakdown is gratitude because we're like, oh, it's early. We don't want to be there. Like, Let's have gratitude that we get to do this. And then in the afternoon, we play a bunch and we yell out passion or dog like yeah. we did today they started barking and i was like this is <laughs> but it's good i mean they rally around it and it's not about me it's about them and yeah. so whatever gets them going i'm here for nice and now are there any unique rule rule changes or differences compared to the college game um well we're a little bit of a hybrid between fivb way closer to fivb um we have eight subs um, FIVB is six college is like unlimited yeah. at this point. Um, but we're, we stuck to eight. And the reason we did that was we, it sounds silly, but we just wanted to be able to get people playing time Yeah, and being able to use a DS or being able to use those serving subs, like really allowing it to do it. And with a 14 team or a 14 man roster, 
still not everybody is going to get to go in. I think it keeps the integrity of the six rotation player, which all of us coaches are are really excited about, but yeah. it'll let us throw like a DS in every once in a while. And, and hopefully I think make the games a little more competitive because the pass and defense is going to be better. So eight subs, you can only go out and in once. So once you go out and then you come back in, if you go out again, you don't get to go back in. Okay. Um, that's international volleyball. Uh, there was a debate for a while if the liberos should serve like they do in college. I'll let you guess which I was a proponent. <laughs> really wanted them to be able to serve. Right. I was like, they never get to score points. Like, let them score. Yes. And and I think people like really rally around the liberos when they serve because it's like the only time they get to celebrate for themselves. Yes. So I was a big proponent for it. I thought I won for a little bit and then I found out that that was not happening anymore and I was crushed. Uh, uh, so yeah, but other than that, I think everything's pretty, pretty standard. We have awesome technology. So if anybody watched the VNL or any of the Olympic qualifiers, we have all the same technology. So what will look different to a college fan is we won't have line judges. Oh, okay. we have. Yeah. So we have all the technology where the ball lands on the floor, the up ref on their iPad gets the signal if it was in or out, and then they make the call. Nice. It's going to help the flow of the game be yeah. a little bit faster, less challenges, um, or the challenges I think will, you know, you're not necessarily using them too much for a timeout like you do in college. Right. But I think the technology is huge because it's going to make the production of the game really fan friendly and the televised or the streams a lot faster and yeah. just, just go and flow a little bit better. Nice. Yeah, I think I was watching. I think it was the VNLs in September. They had a, a unique system where if you admitted that you touched, you got like some card. And in the end, yeah, there was like a bonus, a money bonus for it or something. Yeah, they're like the green card. Yes, I the think. green card. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I was like, what a inspiring way to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it because, again, it's about the flow of the game. And the closer these matches are, the longer they're lasting. Yep. And so if we can eliminate any of that in-between time where it's the down ref going to look at the panel or yeah. a coach arguing about if somebody touched it, you know, some, sometimes those can be huge delays in the game. Yeah. And so I'm all for keeping it speedy. The, I think the shorter they are on television, the better, and it'll help the fans understand it a little bit better too. Yeah, absolutely. And now, so as you're preparing for the first few games, it's got to be kind of tough because you haven't seen any footage, any of these teams playing. So how do you prepare for, you know, your defense and your offense? Uh scrimmage yourselves a lot <laughs> learn what your own tendencies are and you're like oh that's not helping us um no we ha we actually do get to scrimmage a team we're it's closed so i can't talk about it yeah. but we are scrimmaging somebody which will be wonderful um so that will give us a little bit of insight on things that we need to work on more than anything and then we play atlanta after they play omaha so i actually do get filmed uh, okay nice. they don't get on us yeah wow. but overall uh we get asked the question a lot like oh do you do you think you're good you know or what are your expectations and of course i think that we're going to be competitive and i i think we're good i think we're going to be right up there with any other team but i have no idea what anything else is yeah. going to look like 
like. And I don't know what systems other coaches are going to run or, or what that's really going to be. And so it'll be, it'll be fun in the beginning to yeah. really have to make in-game adjustments. I think our staff is exceptional at that. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. And you just got to play chess, not checkers. Yep, absolutely. And actually that was going to be one of my questions. Are you guys going to have like a trial run behind closed doors just to figure out what that whole system is going to be like when you, you know, when match day comes and you're live on TV. So that was good that you guys are sort of having a sort of a, you know, a game or two. Yeah. Yeah. Our court gets put down next Friday. We have a fan day in Orlando for anybody in the Orlando area that wants to come out, see our court, watch us practice for a little bit. And then of course do like the autograph session and and meet and greet with the team. And then we'll scrimmage after everybody leaves the building. So I don't think we're going to have the bolt six technology, which is like for the lines and um, we might have a few things from Volley Station, just our iPads, so that we can code live and have all that information to us because we want to make sure our team sheets are in order. Yeah. But other than that, I yeah, the, the streams and stuff, I don't know. We might be a little glitchy on the first day. <laughs> I trust our crew. We're we're playing at Edition Financial Arena, which is where the UCF basketball teams okay. play. And they've been awesome. I mean, they've been all over attending any meeting that PVF is hosting, whether it's about the broadcast or even like our volley station setup and what we need. And so they're pretty bought into what we're doing. And I couldn't ask for a better crew over there. Excellent. And now, so what is a normal week going to look like? Are you playing multiple matches every like on every Wednesday and every Saturday? Or what does that, you know, what does that week look like? Yeah, it's a little scattered. I think, um, Every team's a little different. Ours, we have a lot of Friday, Sunday matches at home specifically. I know we play a couple road games even on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So arena availability at this point. Yep. And then um, also trying to find an equitable travel schedule for everybody was important. So I think we all have one brutal stretch there where we're, we're on the road for about a week or so, but it's not too bad. Yeah. And maybe I'm just saying that because we're pretty lucky we're in a major city and our mostly direct flights, we can get back in a, a decent manner. But I think, um, yeah. So to answer your question, I, I, I think there's like a game every night of the week. Oh, wow. Excellent. Not just specifically, right, but like, but- the league like they're yeah. really putting out matches yeah excellent talked a little bit about earlier about you know social media how big is social media going to be you know with your team and the league you know are the are the players encouraged to push out as many tiktoks and you know tweets as, as possible yeah i think so i i think there's a couple of teams in our league that are doing a great job i'm not going to list who they are because i won't give anybody compliments right they're doing a pretty good job um we actually just revamped our socials. And so I'm a huge brand person. I think that just comes from my recruiting coordinator background. And so I want us to be out there. I want our players' personalities out there. Be goofy when it's allowed to be goofy yeah. and show the great highlights when that applies as well. And so I think any platform that can amplify our team and our players is we got to utilize. Yeah, absolutely. And then sort of, Adding to that, you know, what about getting out into the community, you know, being everywhere so that, you know, people see, oh, yeah, that's the volleyball team. That's the pro team and just getting hype going and and just being part of the community. Yeah, I was actually at the Apple store the other day and I was 
buying, like, I forget what it's by a stylist or something. And when you check out, they ask you like, oh, what are you with a, a business? And I was like, yeah, I'm with a business. And they were like, which one? And I said, Orlando Valkyries, it's not gonna like populate in your thing. And the guy goes, the volleyball team? And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, the volleyball team. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. Like, I love volleyball. And so I think our uh, front office has done a, a wonderful job of getting the news out there, pumping out the articles. We've had a couple spots on TV. Yeah. And then we have a uh, community ambassador that works for us also, who's gotten us in the clubs a bunch. We have like three appearances next week in schools at tournaments and then our open house. And so I think uh, the closer we get to the games, the more you're going to see a lot of that as well. And yeah. it's it's been, it's been cool to have people recognize the logo and just say that they're huge volleyball fans. Orlando's a really big volleyball community. I mean, they're the host of AAU volleyball. Right. So not, it's not hard to get volleyball fans here. Yeah, excellent. And now, what about like charity work? Is the league's ha does the league itself have any charities that they're going to be working with, or does Orlando, you know, the Valkyries have charities that you're, you've identified? Not as not that I know of right yeah. now. I know I'm the VP of volleyball operations, but I'm not <laughs> the VP of business operations. <laughs> um, I I can't see why they wouldn't start yeah. doing those things. Um, we have a pretty big connection in the sports commission here in Orlando. Our team president actually was elected onto the board. And so he's going to be really involved in just the community aspect yeah. of everything as we get rolling and keep going. And it's, yeah, like I said before, we want to make the city proud. It's, yeah. it's not just about volleyball. It is about Orlando. And I don't know how much soccer you follow, but mm -hmm. the Orlando Pride here, the women's soccer team, has a huge following. And it's they're a great model for us to say, that's who we want to be, yeah. but volleyball. Yeah. And so what can we do as women together to continue to grow sports and opportunities for young girls in Orlando and give give the old ladies who <laughs> didn't get these opportunities an opportunity to watch on TV. Yeah. And I think- I think the momentum is just going to keep going forward and we have great support. Excellent. Over your coaching career, what have there been any significant lessons you've learned that like stick out that really helped you trust your gut. I think coaches just have to trust their gut. Everybody always tells you like, Oh, don't change when you become a head coach and all of these, you, you have to change a little bit because when you get in the head coaching role, no matter where it is, and I think this goes for any business, you're in the hot seat. You have to make the hard decisions. And I'll tell you right now, I am more confident in my decision-making as the head coach of a professional team than I was as the head coach of University of Alabama, Birmingham. And I think it's just looking back and going, you know what you're doing. You've been through it. You've been through trials, you've been through triumphs, you've failed, you've succeeded, you know what you're doing, stick with your decision and go with it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're you're not gonna question yourself, but if I'm being completely honest, I think I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, I made the wrong decision. And now I'm just like, okay, it's, it's either gonna work or, or it yeah. doesn't. And there's no reason to get emotional about it because you're going to have an opportunity to fix it if it goes bad. And if not, then great. You, you made the right thing and let's move forward and keep making the team better. Yeah. 
All right. Awesome. And now I know you're not, you know, in that college scene anymore, but, you know, for those players that are in high school right now to, that would, you know, aspire to play college ball, what kind of advice would you have for them? You know, I think that there is a home for everybody. I think that you need to find somebody who's going to give you a realistic viewpoint of what your expectations should be. And I think club coaches are getting more and more comfortable doing that. And it's okay to say you're not a division one player, but if you want to play volleyball, let's explore D3, let's explore NAIA and do your homework and figuring out what's important to you so that you're picking the right school, just not just for volleyball, but for the longevity of your career and where you want to live and all of the things that you don't think about as a 16 year old, try to keep it in retrospect and not just make it about volleyball. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And, uh, you know, any sponsors you want to shout out to that, you know, you want to thank or people you want to thank to this point? I, I know I'm not wearing them today, but Ren Athletics has been amazing. It's laundry day for me. So <laughs> I have my regular sweatshirt on and we have a news channel coming to practice tomorrow. So my Ren clothes are in the washing machine, but their gear has been really, really good. It's like, I, I don't know. It really is for like a volleyball player. I don't know how to describe it, but like the leggings are long. The spandex are a good length. Like all of our players love the length of the spandex and the um, just the material is really great. So shout out to Ren for equipping our team. Look for a very funny video of them trying it on. Um, and really, I just want to thank Dave Winham and Steven Evans and Jen Spiker for doing all of this. I, I think people are still unsure about what the waters of pro volleyball is going to look like in the future. But we have a great start. We're the first people that are going to get a match rolling here. And I'm just excited for everybody to keep following. Excellent. And now, you know, away from the court, you know, what are some of the things you like to do? Um, hang out with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> my dog, Phil, who's sleeping now. Um, you know, my, my husband, he is also a volleyball coach. So when we spend time together, we try to do our best not to talk about volleyball. And so <laughs> he, really, he got me into gaming, which is so weird. <laughs> I've never played video games before. And so we started gaming. Um, like I said, I love Hogwarts Legacy. Yep. He got me on Diablo this year, which I just, I shouldn't have played, but <laughs> rabbit hole and like beat the whole game, which was great. Cause you can multiplayer that and do, do that one together. Yeah. And really, I, I've just really come to value my time with my family because I've been gone since I was 18. And so anytime I get to hang with them or be with my brother and his wife and then Ahen, my husband, because we don't live near each other mm -hmm. for half a year, like anytime we get to spend together, it's, it's really just about those guys. And if not, I'm a homebody. So I will watch Netflix and read and hang with my dog and that's about it. There you go. Watch a lot of film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Amy, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Really appreciate it. But before you go with past guests, I asked them to shout out somebody they think would have a good story, whether it's a you know coach, player, somebody in your circle you think would, uh, would like to come on and share their journey. Oh, that's a good one. I would like to shout, someone's going to be mad at me for this. I already know that because if I don't, <laughs> somebody they're gonna be like oh she didn't think about me all right you but, do um, too then that helps me then anyway <laughs> um 
Well, I got to give all the love to the women out there. So the first one I thought of was actually Morgan Thomas. She is the assistant at TCU and love Morgan because she has gone through some ups and downs as a coach. So she is somebody that I think is like persevering and finding a way to continue doing what she loves all while being kicked in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been really hard. Um, and then another person I'll shout out is a more less known name. Her name is Michelle Meehan, and she's the assistant at Colgate University. And so Michelle is a D3 player who was small, played outside libero, and kind of just has worked her way up through the coaching grind mm -hmm. and won three Patriot League championships at Colgate now. Oh, wow. So yeah, so she and she's really helped Ryan Baker up there. And so I love both of those guys. They work so hard and they're just phenomenal women for all of the girls to keep looking up to. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And, you know, good luck on this first season. Thank you.